Uh, good evening, everyone. I want to welcome us once again to a new episode of Word Feast. And I pray that the Almighty God will bless us as we begin this new episode in the name of Jesus. Father, I want to thank you once again for this opportunity. Thank you for the privilege to share your word. Thank you for the privilege to dig deep into your word. Thank you for access to in your word. Thank you for access to you. May your name be exalted in the name of Jesus. Father, sweet Holy Spirit, we ask, because you are the revealer of all truth, as we dig deep into the word, as we feast on the word tonight, please come and reveal deep things of God to us in the name of Jesus. We ask that you flood our hearts with revelations of who God is in the name of Jesus. We ask that you flood our hearts with light and that every form of darkness, every shadow, every aorta of doubt will give way in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because we've answered. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Uh, once again, I want to welcome us. So, uh, tonight we'll begin a new episode uh, of What Feast, which is tagged Altars. Altars. And uh, actually, we were on a study in the book of Ezra, and um, the Holy Spirit quickened our hearts uh, to pick, uh, specifically in the book of Ezra chapter 3, uh, the importance of altars, uh, looking at why uh, do people need to raise altars when uh, making sacrifices. Uh, the Holy Spirit just drove our attention to altars. I mean, why is it necessary to raise or to build an altar if we must make sacrifices? What exactly is the importance of an altar? Okay, must it be built to get the attention of God? And, and questions like that began to uh, arise, uh, began to come up in our mind, and began to, uh, to come up in our mind, you know, and uh, we began to dig deep into it. And we trust, we believe God really wants, wanted us to look at this issue at this point in time and, and I believe strongly that as we look into this topic as we discuss issues uh, surrounding altars, surrounding raising altar up unto God, uh, surrounding uh, making sacrifices making offerings unto God I believe strongly that at this topic we open us up to a new dimension, we open our understanding uh, up to a new dimension in God that will enhance our work uh, we enhance our Christian work in the name of Jesus okay so uh, this evening in this episode in the first episode we are going to be looking at two things majorly the first thing is uh, what an altar is and the second thing is uh, how to build or raise an altar in subsequent episode we'll be looking at uh, a few types of altars and, and how they function and where they come in and all like but but then for this first episode we'll be looking at uh, what an altar is and uh, how to build or raise an altar okay so first what exactly is an altar okay uh, an altar basically means uh, looking through the scriptures it means a structure on which offerings are made to a deity okay now uh, a deity is, is, is used here because we discover that throughout the scriptures altars are not just raised when offerings are about to be made to god okay the true and living god one and true living god who is the creator of heaven and the earth but we discover that all through the scripture whenever uh 
even the, the ungodly nations, the Gentile nations wanted to make sacrifices, okay, to their gods. They raised altars, okay. Take for instance, when, when, when they wanted to worship Baal, they raised altars, okay. So, uh, altars actually is more or less like a focal point where uh, that brings divinity in contact with humanity. So, it's a structure that... Uh, Upon which offerings are made to a deity. Okay, and an altar uh, in itself means, uh, from his rendition in, in his Greek word, means a place of sacrifice. Okay, so when you're talking about altar, we are talking about a place of sacrifice, a place where uh, sacrifices are made. Okay, in, 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 the, in the Old Testament, sacrifices uh, means uh, slaughtering of animals, okay, shedding of blood, and also it could also mean uh, sacrifices that not actually have to do with uh, slaughtering of animals. It could mean uh, some other kind of offerings, okay, where uh, uh, you, you, where you make them or you, or you place them on, on the part on, on the altar, uh, offering them to God, okay. Offering, offering, offering them to God. Okay, so when we talk about altars, number one, we must understand that altar has to do with a place of sacrifice. Okay, irrespective of what 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 offering is being given to God. Okay, the most important thing that we must note that distinguishes altar from every other thing is the sacrificial element of it. Okay, as a matter of fact, what um, makes a temple potent is the is the altar in it. Okay, when you take an altar or take the altar out of the temple okay the temple uh, more or less becomes an ordinary room or becomes uh, uh, an ordinary uh, space okay but what uh, actually uh, makes the temple very important very crucial is the altar we saw in the book of Ezra that even before the temple was built okay the children of Israel when they were brought out of the land of captivity began to worship God uh, by raising an altar Okay, even when they were yet to lay the foundation of the temple, because before they were taken into captivity, the, the, the temple was destroyed. The, the, the land of Jerusalem was destroyed. But when they came out by the outstretched arm of God, okay, when God intervened and brought them out of captivity, we saw that the first thing they did was to raise an altar in worshipping God, in sacrificing offerings unto God, even though there was no temple at that particular point in time. Okay, so and that tells us uh, or informs us that uh, uh, without a functional altar in the life of an individual, uh, uh, whatsoever thing or worship that, that we are engaging in just a mere religion, okay? Okay, it's a mere religion, okay? So, but what makes uh, worship very potent is the altar that is being built. It is altar uh, that is being built. We must understand that uh, altars are places where the divine and human worlds interacted. Uh, it's a place of exchange. It's a place of communication for the purpose of influence. Okay, if we must get God, okay, to intervene in the affairs of man, if we must get God to influence uh, certain activities in the physical realm, we must be willing to raise up an altar. Okay, looking at the life of Abraham, that even before uh, he gave birth to Isaac, okay, even though it was God who, who, who proclaimed on him, uh, the, the title of the father of many nations, and that his seed shall be as 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 be as great as the stars, okay. But uh, will be will be, will be as multitudes, or uh, will, will be so much as the stars of the heavens. Okay, we saw that what activated that reality in his life was the sacrifice of his son. Okay, so uh, 
what actually brings about influence. So it, it does not matter the kind of prophecy that has been brought over your life. It does not matter uh, what has been said over you, okay, or the promises of God over you as an, as an individual, as a believer. If there is no altar raised up unto God, if there is, if the place of sacrifice is missing in your life as a believer, then there is a likelihood or a high tendency that those promises will not come to reality or to pass in your life. And that's why it's, it's really important to discuss at this topic uh, at this time because why so many believers are struggling at the level they are in, even though they are born again Christians, is because they've not recognized the place or the importance of sacrifice in their worship or in their in their work with God, in their work uh, with, with God. Okay, so we must understand that God responds actively to altar activity. In, okay, just like the, the the contest between Elijah and the prophet of Baal involving an altar demonstrated interaction interaction between God and Baal and also we must understand that God honors the sacrifices of his own God honors sacrifices of his own and that's why uh, please I want us to take note that it's not we are not just talking about offerings now but sacrifices sacrificial offerings okay sacrifices when God sees sacrifice okay he responds immediately and that was why when Noah was saved from the flood. The first thing he did was to raise up an altar, okay, to sacrifice, okay, a clean beast. Okay, you saw sacrifices there. Okay, there's, there's a sacrifice there. He didn't just pick uh, any beast, but clean beast. He didn't just pick any kind of beast. He didn't keep the best part of the beast to himself, but he took the best and gave it to God. And when God saw the genuineness of his heart, when God saw the sacrifices, God uh, responded immediately to him by saying he will no longer destroy the earth with flood anymore because it's of, of the smell, the sweet-smelling savour of that sacrifice that rose up to God. And that's why David it said, okay, he will never give God that which won't cost him something, okay? It takes a longing, a test and genuineness of art to secure God's attention. When there is no sacrifice, when there is no longing, when there is no test, when uh, when there is nothing to part, when you don't part with something, when something costly has not left you, it will be difficult to secure God's attention, okay? The, 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 the uh, Mary, okay, the harlot the, the, the secured Jesus' attention because he's parted away with something that costed us something, uh, costed us so much, okay? The alabaster box was so costly that even the disciples complained about it. But as expensive, as costly as the alabaster box was, she was willing to pour it over on Jesus, okay? And it secured the attention of, of Jesus. Okay, he said, I would, I cannot, I David said, he can't give God anything that won't cost him anything, that won't cost him something. So we must take note of the aspect of sacrifice. Okay, what uh, distinguishes or what makes an altar unique is the sacrifices uh, that go on on it. The sacrifices that go on on it. You can't be casual in your seeking God and expect to gain access to him. Okay, sacrifice was what distinguished Abel's offering from Cain. You know, uh, it's, it's, been, it's been debated uh, often uh, uh, why did God accept that the offering of Abel and rejected that of Cain? Okay, both of them gave offerings, but we must understand that there is a reason or there was something that distinguished Abel's offering from the offering of Cain. When you look at Genesis chapter 4, Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 to 5. Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 to 5, it says that in the course of time, 
Cain brought some of the fruit of the soil as an offering to the land. Now, I want you to take note. He said, Cain brought some of the fruit of the soil as an offering to the Lord. Okay? And Abel also brought an offering. Now, he didn't just bring an offering, but the word of God says, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. Now, fat portions. Now, for Cain, we're just made to understand that he brought offerings, but Abel went further, you know, advanced, you know, he didn't just bring forth offerings, but brought fat portions, highlighting the, uh, the, 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 the aspect, okay, of sacrifice, okay, the point of sacrifice, the point of parting away with something, okay, if we must access God, if we must benefit, if we, if we must uh, truly gain access to, 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 to what belongs to us in God, then we must be willing to part away with something. We must be able to give God something that will cost you. And that uh, brings to mind the cost of discipleship. You must be willing to part away with so many things and pick up the yoke of Jesus Christ if you must become someone or something of uh, worthwhile in this kingdom. Jesus Christ says, uh, follow me and I will make you. All of those that they called left something. They were doing something that was crucial to them. They, were, they had something that was feeding them. Take for instance, Peter was a fisherman. James and John, they were fishermen. They were in the fishing industry. They were, they were, they, they were the big men of those days. Okay, but they parted with it. Okay, and Jesus made them great apostles. Elisha had to part with the heritage that he had with his father to become okay to become the successor of Elijah. He had to part away with it. Okay, so we must understand that if we must truly gain access, if we must truly get the attention of God, if we must truly become someone, somebody of worth in this kingdom, you must be willing to give God something that costs you. You must be willing to leave something that is costly. You must be willing to sacrifice. Sacrifice something. Talking about altar. Okay, what exactly is an altar? You know, a place, a place of sacrifice. Noah built an altar and offered a sacrifice to God, and God smelled that aroma, you know, and found it pleasing, and he responded by placing a blessing on the earth. Okay, so an altar is a point of sacrifice that serves as a point of excuse for God to intervene in human affairs. Okay, Jesus' sacrifice created a, created a legal ground for God to save man back to himself in spite of man's willful disobedience to him. Okay, the sacrifice of Jesus, okay, irrespective of what man has done, even though he was a lawful captive, yet because of the sacrifice of Jesus made it possible for God to justly uh, deliver man from the plague of disobedience from the plague of sin from the plague of sin an altar also ha uh, serves as an entry point for divinity to the human realm it is a reference point for interference of divinity in human affairs and as a result determines or charts the course of human life so if, if you really want to experience a change in your christian work in your christian life you must be willing to part away with something. You must be willing to sacrifice. You must be willing to uh, recognize the importance and the place of an altar in your life uh, as you walk with God, as you serve God. Okay, so the next thing that we're going to be talking about is how do you build an altar? How do you build or raise an altar? We must understand that behind every visible throne or kingdom are spiritual forces that backs them up. We saw in the book of Daniel chapter 9 that uh, 
in the, in the, during the reign of King Cyrus, uh, king of, uh, the, 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 the king of, king of Persia, that Daniel set his heart to, to pray to God because he understood by books the number of years that the children of Israel are supposed to spend in the land of captivity. But we were made to understand that when he set his heart to pray, even though God had him from the first day he set his heart to pray, okay, we saw that the answer didn't come, the delivery of the answer didn't come until after a while, a long while, a period of 21 days or three weeks. Okay, and when we saw, and when the angel eventually came, we saw that the angel said that this, the prince of Persia, okay, that means there was a prince, uh, a spirit that was behind the rule of Persia at that particular point in time, even though Persia had a physical king, a, a physical prince that was in charge of it, there was a prince that was uh, put in charge of that territory, that was in charge of that influences the affairs of that territory at that particular point in time. That determines what comes into that territory and what goes out. What happens? It influences it. So we must understand that behind every visible throne or kingdom are spiritual forces that backs them up. And at work in every man's life is a driving force which can be negative or positive. For instance, for the children of uh, disobedience, we saw in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, that there is a spirit called the prince of the power of the air that works in the spirit or in the children of disobedience. Okay, those who work in disobedience are, are not just working because they want to work in disobedience, but there is a spirit called the prince of the power of the air that engineers disobedience, that influences their action. Nothing is normal, nothing is natural. Okay, behind every natural occurrence are spiritual forces, are spiritual influences, are spiritual personalities. And until we deal with the spiritual personality, until we gain mastery of the spiritual, uh, the, this, 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 the spiritual uh, perspective or the spiritual font of every issue, we might never uh, gain mastery over the physical circumstance uh, of life. Okay? But for the children of God, there is a spirit at work in them which quickens uh, us unto righteousness. Because the word of God says uh, that if the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in us, that same spirit, uh, God, by, by that same spirit, God shall quicken our mortal bodies. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think, but according to the power that is at work in us, that is the result we get as believers is equal or directly proportional to the workings of the Spirit of God in us. Okay, there is a Spirit at work in us. Okay, there is a Spirit at work in us that influences, that informs our decisions, that influences our action. Okay, but then I must understand that uh, the kind of results we get as an individual is proportional so how much we put that spirit to work or how much attention we pay to him uh, to his workings to his dealings you know if we have not exercised ourselves enough if he is not stirred up if we've not exercised ourselves enough, ourselves enough uh, in the spirit okay it will be difficult for us to get a result it will, uh, the spirit of god will be dormant uh, in us and that's why paul says to timothy stir up the gift of god that, that is in you, okay, there is a gift in us. The word of God says he has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. 
But for us to walk in that reality, it must be feared of. We must exercise ourselves. And that's why it says that according to the power that works in us, the results that we generate, even though uh, when the Spirit of God came upon us, he said, and we shall receive power when it comes, that means uh, it is the source of power, but then uh, the, the amount of power that flows through us, the amount of result that flows through us is proportional to, uh, to how much is active in our life, to how much is active in our life. No individual is bored of the influence of the Spirit. And, uh, but then, the key to raising an altar, the key to securing the influence of the Spirit is consistency in a particular act. Okay, and I'm going to explain this. When we consistently engage in an act, when, if, when we consistently practice something, we open up the spiritual dimension of that activity. We open up ourselves to the spirit, the force that uh, enhances that activity. Romans chapter 6 verse 16 says, Know ye not that to whomever you yield yourself as servants to obey, is servants ye become whom ye obey, whether of sin, which leads unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. Now, I want us to read that verse carefully because there are certain things we must understand there. If we must understand how to raise or build an altar, it says that know ye not that to whomever. Now, look at the word he used there. To whomever, talking about a person, a personality. To whomever you yield yourself to, that means a person, a personality. But it now continues that uh, you yield yourself as servants to obey, is servant ye become, whom you obey. Whether of sin, now look at, now switching from the personality now to an event, to an activity. Okay, saying that when you yield yourself to, you give yourself to an activity of, or a sinful event, when you keep yielding yourself to it, it gets to a point whereby the spiritual dimension, the spiritual personality behind the activity is open up to you and you begin to walk in that dimension stress freely. You get to a point whereby your will is no more needed to continue in that activity because the spirit which aids, which helps the infirmity, the natural infirmity uh, has been opened up to you. And that's why for those who actually engage in sexual immorality, take for instance, uh, when they fought, when they started out or when, when, they, when they started out in that thing, they need their will, they need effort, but as they consciously engage in it, without uh, paying attention to the check in their spirit, okay, a time will come whereby it becomes a lifestyle, a time will come whereby even though they want to stop, it becomes very difficult for them to stop, very difficult, even though they are not happy with the results they are getting, they are not happy with how their life is being run, they can't stop because it's no more about their will now, but the spirit of immorality has been engaged in that process. Their life has been opened up to the spiritual dimension, to the spirit that guards that territory, that guards that event, that makes it possible, that, uh, that, that oversees that event, that makes it possible to work stress-freely in that activity. In that activity. Okay, so, and it continues, Paul continues in this verse and says, or of obedience unto righteousness. Okay, when we yield ourselves continuously, okay, talking about how we could secure the interference or engagement of the of a deity or the spirit and the life in our lives as individuals. 
building our members to righteousness might be difficult at first, but when we consciously engage in it, a time comes that it becomes easy. Why? Because the Spirit is there to help our infirmities. Because the Spirit has seen the willing, our willingness. The Spirit is there to help our infirmities to walk in righteousness. And that's why the Word of God says, it's not by power, it's not by might, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Okay? Uh, we must know that except the spirit dimension okay, of God is open up for work. Living a righteous life will be very, very difficult. Okay? So we are talking about how to raise a spiritual altar. How to raise and it is important we understand this because uh, in subsequent episodes as we begin to talk about the kinds of altars that we have, uh, we will see and we understand more on how to uh, to raise certain altar in our life. How to raise certain altars, how to overcome certain urges in raising altars because it has to be sacrifices. Because we must understand the element of sacrifice that will cost you something before the spirit dimension is being opened unto you uh, over uh, that thing that you are trusting God for in your life. Okay, so there is a point we get to in sacrifice that the spirit dimension of that activity comes on that platform to influence us and everything that surrounds us. And that's why the word of God says, those who go after all that God, their sorrows shall be multiplied greatly. Not because they, they go after sorrows, but because the spirit dimension that is open unto them uh, brings, uh, in addition to the, the, the solution in quotes, it brings to them many sorrows. And that's why the word of God says that it is the blessings of the Lord that make it rich and added no sorrow to it. And apart from the blessings of God, any other solution of blessings you get outside of the one and true God brings sorrow. Bring sorrow greatly to you. Okay. So I say I conclude. So one way we most assuredly build or can build altars are through consistent actions or habits. When you sacrifice your time, energy, and even material resources to engage in an act, it becomes a routine and sooner or later uh engenders or opens you up to the spirit dimension, uh, the active uh, uh, spirit dimension uh, of that uh, activity, thus causing the interference of God in your life, okay, just bringing uh, the attention or drawing the attention of God over your life. And now, when we talk about sacrifice, like I said when I started, it's not just about slaughtering or killing of animals, it talks about uh, your time, your energy, your resources, sacrificing. When you look at King Ezekiah, for instance, uh, the, uh, he was only able to get God's attention for his longevity on earth on the account of his sacrifice, what he has done in the past. Okay, what have you done in the past? What, are, what, what, what what's your service to God like? Okay, sacrifices your time, your money, your resources, your energy, yourself. But yourself is, 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 is the biggest sacrifice you can give to God. That's why Paul says, and as Monus also in Romans 12, verse 1, he said, I beseech you, brethren, dearly beloved, that you present yourself holy and acceptable unto God. Uh, present yourself as a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, which is your only reasonable service, which is just a reasonable service. That means when you don't want to give yourself, okay, sacrifice yourself to God, uh, every other thing you are doing is unreasonable. Okay, you become an unreasonable uh, worker in God's body, you become an unreasonable Christian okay, uh, in, in, in this kingdom. The only reason why Elijah got this kind of service as the contest on the altar between Baal and God was because. He has secured God's attention through service. 
first things was the Muslim was one thing, and Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the sweet Abraham of Gilead, said on behalf, as the Lord God of Israel needed, before whom I stand uh, and serve, or before whom is I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain this year except according to my word. And it stands continually before God. Okay, there is a testament of, of sacrifice, there is a testament of prayer, there is a testament of, of fasting, okay. Longing, there is a desire, there's something that he has, he has been putting there. He has, a, he has a, 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 an account with God that made it possible for him to get the attention of God instantly at that point. Okay, and that's why recently uh, we, we, we have we, 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 we engaged in raising a prayer altar unto God. Okay, consciously, deliberately, okay, that we might that get God's attention, that we might get God to intervene in our affairs. in our hearts in the name of Jesus. I pray for every one of us that is listening to this teaching that we will experience a transformation, that our lives will not remain the same, that by reason of this teaching, light will break forth from inside out in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we are praying. Thank you once again for joining me for tonight's episode of What We